This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who might be going to a run fair on Sunday. And I'm Vervada, the girl who wishes she could go to a run fair. My sister actually just went to one last weekend, but I've never been to one before. Will you take me next year? Only if you promise to dress up with me. Maybe we can oh, go yeah, as a I, pair of busty tavern winches. Yes, I literally won't go without dressing up. It's not, I can't imagine it being fun if you're not dressed up. Oh, yeah. It's much more fun. Okay, we'll totally I used go. to cosplay all the time as a high schooler. <laughs> like, cosplayed as a high schooler or cosplayed no, while when, you were in high school? <laughs> when I was in high school. I would go to anime expos and dress up. My favorite cosplay was Riza Hawkeye from Full Metal Alchemist. Mm. And it was great. I have my Lulu cosplay, and then I have a bunch of, like, different outfits and costumes and stuff, but not, like, official character cosplays. But, yeah. yeah. Enough I also of co- always cosplay for Halloween, usually. Okay, wait, we, sorry. You yeah. Tangent tangenting. <laughs> it's also your line, babe. <laughs> I literally just brought the script back up, and I was like, oh, that's my letter. That's a V right there. <laughs> okay. Well, if you're new here, welcome. But you should know, our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and does not shy away. You make me say this this time? Yep. (laughs) I did not see you change it to me. That's why I was so confused. And doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler-free... This is not the podcast for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, Sam. Just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question, but we'll be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. So get your boots on. It's time to go out into the Badlands with Pan Am Palmer from Cyberpunk 2077. I drove down I-80 the other day. All you have to do is pull over after sundown. It's quiet then. And you hear it. What's that? The wind whistling through boarded up windows. 
Tumbleweeds scratching across dry, sandy tracks. That's how tongues die. Not with a bang, but with whispers and whimpers. Pan Am Palmer was a member of the Aldecaldos Nomad Clan. Like all nomads, they roamed the Badlands and tricked out cars and cargo vehicles, living a life free from corporate oppression, but also the stability of knowing where you'll lay your head every night. All nomads are rebellious and free-spirited, but Pan Am is exceptionally so. I mean, her name is Pan Am, like the iconic airline Pan American World Airways with the cute blue uniforms and weekender bags. Until that airline shut down in 1991, it was the epitome of freedom and adventure, just like Pan Am Palmer. Other than that, not much is known about Pan Am's childhood or other background. It's actually surprising given how she is one of the favorite NPCs in this game, and a well-written one at that. What we do know about Pan Am is that she is notoriously hot-headed. It seems everyone in Night City has some degree of brashness. But Pan Am is more of a do-first, think-second kind of person. This turns out to be a big flaw. But a good character has flaws, because they emulate real people. None of us are perfect, and Pan Am's fire can be a problem, but it can also be very endearing. Pan Am is driven to action. She really can't sit still. She left her nomad clan to go off on her own because she felt so strongly that Saul, the leader of the Aldecaldos, was not doing what was best for the clan. So she has been taking smuggling merc jobs in Night City for Rogue, Johnny's old friend and queen of the afterlife. On one such job, her partner Nash betrayed her and stole the goods and her car. Pretty sure she didn't care about the goods, but Nash signed his death warrant when he touched her car. Don't touch the baby. Mm-mm. This is where V first meets Pan Am. Rogue decides to let V try and get the merchandise back with Pan Am's help. Pan Am wants revenge and wants her car back. And she is also the perfect person to help V find Anders Hellman, the bioengineer that developed the Relic program, and potentially someone who could remove it and Johnny from V's brain. So Pan Am is main quest material, like Judy, but unlike Carrion River. That's something we'll be talking about a bit later. But for now, V and Pan Am drive across the desert, hoping to find her car and Anders Hellman. She'll let you in on the reason she decided to call it quits with the nomads. Spoiler alert, she had a fight with Saul again. The reason we came to California was because he promised to change for the Aldecaldos. He claimed we would turn over a new leaf. But you saw it. We got a handful of tents on a heap of sand. A hell of a promised land. I wanted something different. Better. Saul's a damned coward. He'll be the end of the clan, I'm certain. Oh, Pan Am. Power walking across the camp with Pan Am gave you a glimpse of the tight-knit community she was willing to throw away over a major difference of opinions. Because to Pan Am, it's more important to stand by your ideals than to conform. It's kind of the nomad's whole thing, too, but especially Pan Am. Saul tried to partner with Biotechnica in order to provide the clan with consistent work, but Pan Am viewed this as him selling the nomads out to the corpos. I think Johnny and Pan Am would get along real well. So, after a wild ride with Pan Am and the Aldecados involving an EMP, lots of combat mechs, and a rocket launcher, 
Pan Am gets her car back, and V gets Anders Hellman. Your interactions up until this point are mostly friendly and mission-focused. Much of the dialogue is providing information for the quest line rather than building any sense of relationship between V and Pan Am. Although her Determinator methods definitely give you a good sense of how loyal and fiery she is. There's one dialogue option that you must pick in order to start the path of defrosting this Ice Queen though. And it's during the mission Ghost Town. When you arrive at the Sunset Motel, make sure you say this to her. I think it best to rent rooms here, just to stay in the area. We'll get to work around midnight. It'll help keep us out of sight. Agreed? Maybe we rent just one room. Good idea. Noah has two twin beds in every room. We'll save some money. Not quite what I had in mind. Just what did you have in mind? Just, um... Glad to have met you. <laughs> so I thought... I'm glad we met too. That could have been a damned tough day. But thanks to you, it all went well. Maybe... Calls for a... Little celebration? Sure. We can celebrate. But not today. I'm B. I really honestly love how she just plays it so innocently too. I am sure she knew exactly what he had in mind but she expertly shuts him down and not in a rude way either. Unfortunately for V, it will take a lot of perseverance and shows of good faith to get Pan Am to even count you as a friend, let alone a lover. I wouldn't call her hard to get. I think using the term hard to get is super icky because that implies Pan Am is prey and V is a predator chasing her. Wrong. She's just afraid of ruining a friendship, which honestly, who could blame her? Her life has been determined by her relationships with the other people around her, and it is a small circle. It means a lot to let someone in. I totally agree with you. The whole, like, hard to get or, oh, playing coy, come chase me. I get that to a point, but when it's like an actual, like, it's a character thing that they are hard to get, I don't like that as much. And despite her frequent and intense arguments with Saul they do actually care for one another. So when Saul gets kidnapped by the Wraiths, aka Rafan Shiv, Pan Am asks V to help her get him back. You have to do this quest immediately. If you wait 24 in-game hours, the quest will fail and you will not be able to romance Pan Am. So you meet up with her to save Saul. You should ride with her if you want to romance her. This is a fun sneaky sneak side quest. Or I guess you could go in guns blazing, but honestly, sneaking in is so much more satisfying. Once you recognize Saul, you speed off into the desert, a sandstorm heading your way. You take shelter from the storm overnight in an abandoned house and have a chance to flirt with Pan Am some more. So here's to Haboobs. <laughs> to Haboobs. Saul will invite Pan Am to rejoin the Aldecaldos and then give you two some privacy. You can have some cute banter, but the second V alludes to testing Pan Am's suspension, she'll shut that down quick again. She doesn't want to ruin what she has with V, but in that moment, she doesn't elaborate on exactly why she doesn't want to go any further with you. This is a great scene to demonstrate how to gracefully accept a no. After that, you fall asleep. And by the time you wake up, 
Saul and Pan Am are already ready to go. You'll need to part ways for now and wait for Pan Am to call you yet again. There's a lot of that in her quest line and in her romance. Pan Am will call you again. Once again, butting heads with Saul over an opportunity to snag a cool tank called a basilisk. But Saul doesn't want to do it. He's right to be wary. Militech owns the basilisk, and he wants to avoid drawing attention and facing violent consequences. Mitch, Pan Am, and V will scheme behind Saul's back to grab the tank anyway. And on a radio tower in the middle of the desert, waiting for the convoy, V and Pan Am will get some alone time. She'll speak to you, and you'll finally get a chance to understand why she shut you down the night of the haboob. When I do something spontaneously, I feel I'm being honest. Yet with you, I prefer to play it safe. Why is it any different with me? Because I truly care this time. Yet I fear I'll do or say something foolish and be left alone in the desert. I would rather keep you close, if only as a friend. Try following the impulse next time. Okay. Well, in any case, you've been warned. Hmm. So cute. I think it's really mature for Pan Am to say this to V. She at least is self-aware enough to realize that she's extremely hot-headed and holds grudges about as well as she holds a gun. Helping her get the tank and supporting her through the inevitable screaming match between her and Saul when you show up with the tank are all key in continuing on her romance quest. It's also key for getting a pretty good ending, especially in the game where it's hard to get that. Especially for your lovers. Johnny actually supports you romancing Pan Am, unlike the other three romance options. I think it's because Pan Am is the rogue to V's Johnny, in a way. Pan Am will stick by V through thick and thin, and is the only romance option to potentially help V out in the end of the game. CDPR stuck a huge weight on Pan Am's shoulders. She is arguably the best NPC in the game, and that is due in no small part to her contributions to V's mission. The nomads overall, but especially Pan Am, are responsible for some of the biggest and most crazy moments, like a gunfight car chase during a sandstorm, and some of the quietest moments, like snuggling with Pan Am around a campfire. If you choose to help Pan Am on her side quests, and end up helping her to be the leader of the clan, her character arc is not much different than Tally's in Mass Effect 2, or Alistair's in Dragon Age Origin. You take a character, wrestling with choices, knowing innately what the right thing is, but they are young, doubting their abilities, and struggling with being responsible for others. That's a tried-and-true formula for satisfying character development, if your character supports them and helps them find their voice. Pan Am doesn't have trouble finding her voice, but she has a lot of self-doubt. She's fighting with someone who she greatly respects and is basically a father figure to her, but she knows ultimately that she wants her and her family to thrive, not just survive. Scraping by is not good enough for her, and it's not good enough for anyone she loves either. Whether you become a sibling to her as female or male V, or romance her as male V, she'll love you like family, which is what makes it so poignant and powerful when you choose the star ending and the Aldecaldos help you fight Arasaka. But, back in the romance, we still gotta talk about that moment. The moment Pan Am decides to follow that impulse is the moment that Pan Am also ascends to her power in the clan. After the midbreak, of course. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Mid-break dance. (laughs) (laughs) Time for some fun facts. Pan Am is Native American, but other than being vaguely brown and living in clans, there aren't any other ways to discern her background. Her last name, Palmer, is European. And the clan's name is made up. However, the CDPR developers have confirmed that both she and River are of Native American descent. They did a good job of incorporating their background without falling on racist tropes to convey it. This is the kind of representation that we like to see. Agreed. And according to CDPR's Twitter, Pan Am is actually the most popular romance of Cyberpunk 2077 with 67.53% of players choosing to romance her. Given that the majority, 55%, of video game players are men, this isn't surprising, but I'd be interested to see CDPR's demographics for their players. I'm going to bet that a fair chunk of Pan Am's percentage are queer women or non-binary folks that wanted to romance Pan Am too, and had to play as male V to do so. I mean, she really radiates by energy, and I know I'm not the only one that said my female V could not romance her. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about that last week with Carrie's episode about how they both could have been by and had that balance there, but we aren't the decision makers. Mm-hmm. So, what the fuck is a haboob? <laughs> haboob? Haboob! <laughs> a great word it is a good word i had just never heard it before so i was like what the fuck is a haboob well according to farmersalmanac.com all you need to do is think about dust it sounds benign a nuisance for meticulous housekeepers perhaps but essentially harmless now think about a towering cloud of dust several miles high enveloping the world around you The dust swallows up buildings, cars, people, everything for miles in every direction. It's impossible to see a thing and hard to breathe. Dust gets in your eyes, your nose, your mouth, into the grill of your car. It sticks to your skin and leaves a gritty film on every surface. 
The name comes from the Arabic word for blasting. So it sounds scary as hell. But if you're indoors, you should be okay. Um, I've seen pictures of haboobs. I didn't know that's what they were called at the time, but man, it looks terrifying. Like it looks solid. Yeah. Or, you know, gosh, is it the second or the third mummy movie? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Those those movies are great. (laughs) It also reminds me of Hwangsa, um, otherwise known as the yellow sand phenomenon. Uh, It happens year-round in Korea and much of Asia, but it's worse in the spring where the winds blow sand from the deserts in Mongolia into the air, like the upper or the lower atmosphere. I'm not really sure how high it goes, but blows across Asia and causes lots of respiratory issues. And the reason that one is so deadly is because they're fine dust particles, so it's not as visible as a haboob. So I guess a haboob would look scarier, but probably be safer to live around. I don't know. All right. It is also time to thank the patrons, my favorite part. Uh, We have so much love to give out tonight, and that love goes to Toasty, Apollo, Meiji Moose, Captain Shanko, Stone Mistheos, The Cups, and Psyche. Big hearts and major loves. We also have two new reviews that somehow we didn't get notifications on. So these are a little bit older. I mean, they're like two and three weeks old now. But it's like, what the hell? Why didn't we get these? But we have them now, so we'll read them out. Um, Okay, so this comes from Fire Sprite 1133 uh, via Apple Podcasts and says, Great show. Love you guys. Hey ladies, just finished your cyberpunk episodes and you have officially convinced me to try this game. Spoilers do not deter me. Been listening to you guys for the last month or so and I love you guys. Your passion for the games and characters you talk about is inspiring. And it's nice to know that there are other romance connoisseurs out there who live for the stories and dig the action. Keep up the great work. You're officially part of my Monday morning ritual. Can't wait to hear more. Your new fan, Fire Sprite 1123. Seriously, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Like, we freaking love these characters that we talk about every week. And sometimes it does kind of feel like fangirl gushing about, oh my god, cute boy, or oh my god, gorgeous woman. But it's also like... We put a lot of time and energy and effort into this. And so we're just so happy that there are actually people out there who want to listen, who like listening. And now we're part of a morning routine. I like it. That's great. I love a good routine. I am a Virgo. Um, All right. The second review is from Lyle J5 from Apple Podcasts and is titled Awesome Show. Jen and V do a fabulous job of breaking down the romances in my two favorite game series. It's great to get a female aspect on these arcs in the games. The friendship between these two makes the show more fun to listen to. Keep up the great work, a.k.a. Captain Lyle. Ooh, Captain. Excuse me, sir. I didn't mean to not use your rank. Also, it's so funny because me and Jen have never met in real life yet. (laughs) Like, we're literally friends because of this podcast. Yeah. So you've kind of, if you've listened from the beginning, you've listened to our friendship develop. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, other than like the 3 million Discord messages, but you know. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't get to read those. <laughs> they're pretty, they're almost, 
a lot of them are podcast related messages, but not all of them. Yeah. But yeah, next year, next year. Yes. We'll be in person. We will be together one day. Yes. <laughs> one day. <laughs> Can't wait. And uh, okay. Lyle, uh, no, I know Captain Lyle from the Mass Effect lore cast. Um, like, Ooh. he's been on some of the Patreon episodes. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lyle, Captain Lyle. And uh, hang tight because we have more Dragon Age and Mass Effect coming in the future. And also many, many, many more games. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so many. And many more interviews. So many. The whole year, probably all of next year too, is already scheduled out. So, yay. All right. Back to Pan Am. So, set the scene. We've just stolen the Basilisk tank, and Pan Am and Saul had another one of their screaming matches. He doesn't have time for her bullshit. And she uses his absence to build the tank. Once the tank is put together, you and Pan Am take a test drive. And, well, in what's basically the tank version of James Cameron's Avatar sex scene, we've finally come to the romance culmination scene. Take us away, Jen. (laughs) It's my turn. All right. This has to be one of the most unique ways I have seen sex in a video game, or any form of media, really. I think the idea of having a literal mind connection would add such an intense and unique perspective. Like, how many times have you ever wished your partner would be able to just know right where to touch? Or have you ever wondered what the experience is like on the other side? I will never know what it's like to be in somebody else's mind or body. And the thought that basically anyone can do it in the future is just insanity to me. And I love it. Now, on to what happens during this mind meld. Both V and Pan Am feel the effects of being linked instantly. It doubles the sensation. And both can feel what the other is doing while simultaneously what they are doing to themselves. I'm about to get a little hot under the collar, explaining how all of this unfolds. V, do you remember what I said about impulses? Mm-hmm. Well, watch out now. What's happening? I jacked in. Our nervous systems are now linked. Right. Basilisk pilots working in harmony. That why I'm feeling everything doubled it's sensory feedback our systems are intertwined would you like to try it out okay Uh, i could go for that (laughs) cut the audio off there before it gets much much hotter I was wondering how much of that you were going to let play. It was like getting (laughs) super breathy already. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, after you tell Pan Am that you want to try this new feeling out, she starts to caress her own body. You then get a pretty nice view of a hardening in V's pants. And I do love a good boner camera angle. Pan Am starts to moan as the camera switches to a night vision-esque green overlay. You're locked in a tight space, so it makes it a little difficult to see her in all her glory, but she makes her way to straddling V in his seat. A full-on makeout session where they explore each other with their hands, learning what feels good through the link. I also appreciate the thought process of how sex in a vehicle works. 
It takes more planning than you would think. Pan Am switches to a reverse cowgirl position so she has her feet on the ground and can use that leverage to glide up and down. What a beautiful view in the first person looking over her shoulder and down her body. And within the small space, she is even able to put her feet on the ceiling. And that brings so many more position opportunities. Still holding on to each other and never breaking the connection, they move to the back of the basilisk and go into full out fuck mode. A full 13 seconds of watching V bring Pan Am closer and closer to ecstasy. Her moans get louder and more intense. And right as you hear her voice peak and her face goes into that beautiful slackness, bombs start to go off around your hovercraft. And even though you are both naked, V starts to fire off his other rocket launcher and fights off the wraiths surrounding you. Okay, rating time. I'm going to give this one a 9 out of 10. It is damn near perfect. I love the mental link, the masturbatory beginning, the buildup of the grind, but then a full 13 seconds of just switching the camera from face to face while missionary sex is happening. (sighs) I think a position change or letting Pan Am be on top for the finale would have made it perfect. (laughs) It is definitely something. I feel like this scene is the most pornographic of all the sex scenes in cyberpunk. And I don't think that's an accident. I'm not dishing on Pan Am for this. Like she's, she's fine, but she is clearly a male gaze character. This sex scene aside, Just think about what we see the most of when we're with Pan Am. It's her bum bum. When we first meet her, she's leaning into the engine of her car, her junk in the trunk on full display. Pretty much every mission that you're on with her involves you following her at one point or another. Especially in one mission, when you follow her on the stairs of the control tower, the missions with a little help from my friends. Her bum's in your face the whole time, and it's like a five-story staircase. (laughs) My stance on this is just like what it was for Miranda from Mass Effect 2, though. Sure, there'll be people who like Pan Am purely and only because she is sexy, but that doesn't mean that all she is is sexy. If that were the case, I'd be mad at CDPR. But they do a great job of writing sexy and compelling characters. And complex characters. Pan Am is no exception. While she was designed in a way that is very male gazy, her missions, personality, and character as a whole is not designed around male sexual satisfaction, so I don't have an issue with this. When I get stuck behind Bootylicious Pan Am, I know I'm not the target audience for that. I'm just not ready for her jelly. <laughs> Back to Pan Am's pornographic moans. Um, I think Pan Am's moans are more pornographic than Carrie's, so I can see your point. But I think his scene was more graphic. And shit, dude. Judy felt so real, it was damn near voyeurism. So I'm not sure who I was rate as more porn than anyone else. Like we've said in Judy and Carrie's episodes, there are six cyberpunk endings. In every ending but the star, P, 
Pan Am will dump you. She will always leave Night City. In the temperance ending, where Johnny takes over V's body, Pan Am is notably the only romance option who really knows what goes down in Mikoshi. Her voicemail to Johnny is her fiery temper on full display. Really? You're just gonna avoid me? Of course you would, you fucking coward. Here's a bit of advice for you, Johnny. Enjoy your new lease on life, because it's not gonna last long. I'm serious. Believe me when I say I'm going to find you, you fucking psychopath. Wherever you're hiding. And when I do, I'm gonna rip V out of your head. Don't ask me how, but so far I'm counting on sheer will. You know what you are, Johnny? A parasite. A fucking tapeworm. You hear me? Enjoy the little time you have left. So good. I love that they had Pan Am call Johnny out like that. And I think it makes the most sense. And it's disappointing that the others don't even know enough about what happened. While all your lovers in cyberpunk will know Johnny is in V's brain, only Pan Am will really understand what that means. And that is because her friendship and loyalty are that of family. But I think everyone will agree that the best and most hopeful of the endings is the star. Like we said with Judy, this is the ending where V leaves with the nomads and hopefully to go find a cure. This is even more powerful when you've romanced Pan Am. The night before the raid on Arasaka with the nomads, V and Pan Am will share another quiet moment in the calm before the storm. Any for your thoughts? I'm thinking about the first night I spent up here. I've been on the road. I was on my way back and wanted to clear my head before hitting camp. Before another likely shouting match with Saul. It was completely dark. Empty. Not a star in the sky. All I heard was the wind and a few engines in the distance. And I sat here waiting for the world to fall away. For my mind's RPM to drop to zero. Did it? No. I realized that night it wouldn't happen again. That my mind would always be on the road. Even while I was sitting, freezing on a cliff. I could sit here with you all night. I think I'd like that. You have no idea how much I needed that. My goodness. <sighs> I have to wonder if sitting there with V finally let her mind settle a bit. But it is the night before the one raid to end all raids for the clan. And when they rush into Arasaka with you... It's just such a satisfying thing, just such a satisfying situation. Wearing the Aldecaldo jacket and storming the corpos is just poetic justice. The happy ending, the most romantic ending, is doing just that, taking back your body from Johnny and leaving him with Alt inside Mikoshi, and leaving Night City in the dust. At the end of the game, V and Pan Am will sit on the tank in the quiet desert night, and V will remark that they're finally going home. I think they're already home, seeing as they're nomads. And the screen goes black. Isn't that just the happier ending? Like, the next best one is leaving Night City with the Eldecados with a romance Judy. Honestly, leaving Night City is just the way to go. And I have a feeling Pan Am will play a large role in the DLC plan to release next year as well. So for the romance portion, I also give Pan Am a solid 9 out of 10. No one fights harder for V. That ass, though. That's a 10. I know. Mm. I'm... 
I just wish I knew what brand of jeans that was. Oh. Because uh, what it does for her, could it do it for me? <laughs> uh, I believe those are called apple bottom jeans. And then oh. V can put on the boots with the, or not V, but <laughs> Pan Am can put on the boots with the fur. Yeah, and, and then, then the, the whole club will look at it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and that, lovely listeners, is where we would usually end our show. But for this episode, we have a special guest. And this is a very special treat. It's the first time we have a returning guest on the show. And if you've been listening for a while, you should recognize the voice of Mr. Fucking Spoiler Alert. So please welcome the man, the myth, the N7 legend, and someone I am proud to call a dear friend, Sam! Hello, hello. <laughs> okay. Yay! I think, I think it's on. Ooh, right? Look at your background. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, this back. I was planning on talking about this background, actually. Uh, oh, sorry, beat so. you to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, this background is one of the final scenes that you see in Cyberpunk. At least I did uh, before mm-hmm. I escaped Night City with uh, with Pan Am. Yeah. So, welcome back. Also, obviously, you're our spoiler alert every single episode, but. For other listeners, if you've listened to our Mass Effect 1 Ashley Williams episode, you were on that one as well. Our first interview subject. Yeah, our first interview. I feel like Ashley and Pan Am are remarkably similar. I feel like I have a type. You have a type. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally, as you were saying that, I was like, oh, Sam has a type. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. You're like them fiery spitfire women. Yeah, I guess Honestly, so. Who, yeah. wouldn't, who wouldn't? <laughs> so give us your origin story of Cyberpunk. So I bought Cyberpunk right when it released on Xbox One. And then I played it for like like two hours, three hours, not enough to really notice a lot of bugs. And so I saw that other people were having bugs and a lot of other people were like having gripes with it. And I was planning to get a PC at some point anyway. So I took advantage of the refund thing and I got my money back, promised myself that I'd buy it again in about a year when I got my PC. And then I did. And then it just so happened that right after I had bought it, like a month afterward, I got my wisdom teeth out. (laughs) So I had a lot of free time to play the game. And walking around Night City on Vicodin was fucking great. (laughs) Um... No, it would have been great uh, anyway, but seriously, that was insane. Yeah, that's kind of how I started with it. And then, like, I knew within, like, an hour or two of playing it, I was like, oh, I'm going to sink hundreds of hours into this game. That's awesome. I remember when you were, I think you streamed some of it to your Discord channel, and you were having, like, people watch you play through it for the first time. Because I think I remember that's the first time I met Pan Am was through your playthrough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember doing that. But uh, so we discussed a lot of things about Pan Am today. Did you learn anything new about her? I did. I learned a few things. Um, First of all, I didn't know a lot of the other ending stuff because I've only Hmm. chosen one ending uh, with Pan Am. I've only actually played through the game to completion once. 
So I learned a lot of the new, like the ending stuff. I did not know that she was Native American. And I also did not know that you have to do the Saul rescue mission right away. But, you know, I responded to that mission right away anyway. Because, like, it just made sense for me in my playthrough because I really did care about Pan Am. <laughs> so it just felt natural that my V would drop everything that he's doing to be like, oh, fuck. Like, I gotta, I gotta be there. And then just go help her. So it didn't feel like it was on rails at all. Uh, so it doesn't give you any indication in, like, the quest log or anything like that that you need to do it right away? I don't think so. Hmm. I, don't I don't remember work. seeing one. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because he's a captive. Like, I think it adds to the realism a little bit to have a, have a time limit. But I don't, I didn't know that until I was researching for this episode and I was reading through how to romance her. And they're like, if you do this and don't do it fast enough and fail it, you can't romance her. I'm like, oh, wow. That's a lot of opportunities to fail it then. <laughs> you know, like if you just <laughs> dick around and don't do it right away or and there's certain dialogue options that you have to choose as well. So it feels a little more complicated. Like Judy, you're just kind of generally nice to her. And like, but that's kind of Judy too, though. She's a little lost puppy. No, but I I got that, you know, in the game, I felt that pressure because I felt like, man, I better choose right here because like they, they did a good job of like, you know, teasing that you can mess it up without, without like really being like, this is the option that you choose to mess things up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense for her because she's kind of that way. She's like, oh, you say the one wrong thing once, do the wrong thing once, I hate you forever. Bridge is burned. So. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, she is She is kind of like that. Uh, she's kind of... But it, uh, that also made sense for my V as well because my V was a corpo V. So I was already coming from, like, you know, a pretty uh, tough place to trust for Pan Am. So... After I had my playthrough, I honestly felt like with my Corpo V and Pan Am and then choosing the star ending, I felt like that was the canon romance. And I know that that's the job of the game creators to make me feel like my romance was the canon romance, right? But that really felt like like there was a lot of work that was put into that, mm -hmm. and it showed. And I think the fact that so many other people also picked her kind of leads to that, that it was the canon yeah yeah i mean romanced or not though it's like what we talked about with the endings it's just the other endings are not nearly as satisfying or as hopeful like you you play all these hours as v and any of the other endings are kind of just like i guess i'm just gonna wait to die but if you go off with the aldecaldos you have the hope that they'll find a cure for you like that's the only ending where that is because even friggin arasaka if you try to go with them which why would you first of all but if you do go with them, they're like, mm, we can't help you, actually. Just kidding. So they don't help you at all. So even with that, just going with Pan Am is the best ending for your V. Like, it's the only way to feel like you got a good ending. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was it was um, it was very powerful when Pan Am joined me in the end. More so than I felt really in any other video game, I think, when it comes to a romantic squad mate we'll say that because it felt like it, it, it felt like not just like i had this it was not the stereotypical i'm her hero and i have to protect her you know like and that, that shit gets old and 
in fact, it felt like I had a real ally as a lover. And it was a powerful feeling. It felt like someone that wouldn't just walk into the gates of hell with me, but someone that if I fell would grab me by the back of my shirt collar and, you know, like drag me behind cover. Someone that would, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, be strong for me when I couldn't hold the weight of the world on my own shoulders anymore. So, so yeah, that was, that was a completely unique feeling in terms of video game romance, I think, that I've ever had. So, uh, I wanted, while you were saying that, because I actually read a Forbes article that compared Pan Am and her state as an NPC and an ally to that of the squad in Mass Effect, which obviously is perfect to talk about with you because you have Mass Effect forecast. But also, yeah, as someone who played as female Shepard and romanced Garrus, that is how I feel about Garrus, what you just described. So now you can understand why Garrus is so popular as a romance. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I, I totally agree with that Forbes article. Like Pan Am does feel that way. Like that's what I love about these kind of video games where you have companions like that. And cyberpunk for the most part is very solitary. Like you're on your own almost all the time, aside from the beginning with Jackie. And at first when you had Jackie, I was like, yes, I love having a person with me. And then he dies and I'm like all by myself, but then you get Pan Am. And I bet it's even better if you romance her. I've only played as female V, so I don't know. She's a great like sister from another mister too. I was going to say, Jen, I, I know that you're probably already thinking like, yeah, like, of course I can see the parallels with Garrus, but I mean, the fiery attitude is like so Ashley Williams mm-hmm. that it's hard to hide. Because even with Ashley there at the end, if you bring Ashley on the final run with you in Mass Effect, even there at the end, it does kind of fall into that little trope. As romantic as it is, it does kind of fall into that little trope of like, go on, get out of here. Yeah. (laughs) And then she's like, you know, no, I'm not leaving. And I think Shepard says something along the lines of I need someone alive or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it falls into that that trope a little bit. But with Pan Am, it was like, you know, I didn't I didn't just have a lover but someone i'd trust with my life this was a fighter you know an advocate um a fucking valkyrie if you could call her that oh pan am is totally a valkyrie she's totally a seahaw i get it yeah yeah pan, pan am is a seahaw that, absolutely um that's perfect and speaking of the star ending i i know that you were saying um v that you did not romance pan am well, for me, because I romanced Pan Am and I chose the star ending, the ending is is very cinematic. You know, I I chose to save V and go with her into the desert, you know, to leave Night City. And you're escaping you're escaping the grime and like the lies and the deceit and all the bullshit of Night City and just all of the duplicity and the malevolence and dark seedy corners of the human existence and you're choosing to escape that and i guess i feel i guess i'm feeling somewhat jaded in my own life from covering the darker uh, corners of the human existence it resonated with me almost on a spiritual level i was getting the hell out of dodge well not just who i loved but also like with my champion so it was the uh, ideal fantasy that you could live out in a video game, uh, at least for me. I don't know if any other uh, people who romanced Pan Am felt like that. But yeah, for me, that was that was like a culmination there at the end. Like, And, and, and that's the first time you see your character in third person uh, in a cinematic. 
at least for my V it was. I don't know if yeah. other people's, you know, V's had, had that different. Maybe it was different in the intro. I can't remember the intro, but. I know I've, at least I've played it recently because I just started a new playthrough and you don't see your V. I think the end is the only time, unless you decide to ride a motorcycle in third person, that's like the only time you can really see your V. But cinematically, it's any of the endings, you'll see your V. But that's the only one that's happy. Like I have, I have watched all the endings recently for each romance character, and man, they are, they are depressing. Especially the temperance ending. Like that one is so hard to watch. It's so sad. It's, I mean, it's great. It's very dramatic. But you're just like you're thinking about how Johnny took the body and just driving. He's on a bus. It's great. You should watch the YouTube video. It's really good. I need to see that. Yeah, you're just like, God damn, Johnny, get out of here, asshole. <laughs> but it's good, so good, and also horrible. Yeah. And you know, I speaking of Johnny, I didn't know that she leaves that voicemail for Johnny, the one that you played earlier. Um, mm-hmm. But man, it solidified what I already thought of Pan Am, that she really did truly love V, and she would level villages for for him. So That's what's crazy to me, is every lover does find out about Johnny, but she's the only one in that ending who says something about it, from what I was able to see. And... That, to me, is just, like, I I guess, evidence for her being the canon romance, right? But also evidence of her friendship and her love for V, whether or not you romance her. But, like, Mm. she was... That was amazing. I love seeing someone... Like, she will kill someone for V, you know? Like, she is a real pal. And that is great about her. I want a friend like her in real life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think there's way too many people who, uh, you know... If, if if something like that were to happen to you, they might just shrug their shoulders and go, well, that hurts. I'm sad, but oh, well, what are you going to do? No, fuck that. You fight like hell. That's what you do. And I think that's very true for my own personality. You know, I'm very stubborn. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I need to tell either one of you this. <laughs> I'm very stubborn, uh, and I sure as hell am not going to just roll over and accept defeat when it comes to anything, really, in my own life. So... I admired that drive in Pan Am because it was like, you know what? You care about something? Fucking show me you care about something. Fight for it. Mm-hmm. I love the way that she, that she says that. Like, I will fucking find you, Johnny, and I will figure out a way to bring my V back. She just does not give a shit about the fact that Johnny owns the body now. No, I'm going to get my boyfriend back. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Hell or high water. Mm-hmm. Um I love she called a tapeworm. <laughs> like that, that's the, the most random insult ever. Tapeworm. <laughs> I love it so much. So. Mm-hmm. so if you played Cyberpunk again, would you pick Pan Am again? I'm assuming yes. It would be so fucking hard not to pick Pan Am again. <laughs> Which is why my next playthrough, I think I gotta do uh, Feminine V. Ooh, who would you pick then? I don't know. That's the thing. I have no idea. I have no clue. I honestly don't like River that much. Uh, because in my playthrough as male V, first of all, I can tell that they changed very little because, you know, River is not a buy option. So I can tell that they changed very little and it was a lazy, like laziness thing on their part because some of the dialogue is so clearly geared toward romance. Mm. And you can even have the option to try and I think make a move on River as a man, but it, but like, you know, he shuts it down. So I don't know where they were going with that one, to be honest. And the other thing is with River, it felt creepy, right? Like, I don't know if if any 
other players who played as feminine V felt like that, but it felt fucking creepy to me. Hmm. I don't like River. Just his personality. I don't really like it. Um, also, my big issue with the two male romances, like Carrie and River, they're side quests. They're like, you can miss them completely. They are not as fully fleshed out in any way compared to Pan Am and Judy. And that to me is a problem because I feel like even though Judy is a lesbian, there's many men who play as female V just to romance her. So it kind of feels like CDPR put a lot more effort into the romance options that they thought the majority of players would find the most sexually attractive. And it's a bummer because Carrie and I guess we'll give River some credit. They have a lot of potential and I think it's a shame. And also best friend Eileen, if you've been here for a while, my best friend Eileen, she pointed out, cause she does romance River, that he's still really buggy even after all this time. Like his romance quest is still really buggy. Like his nephew and niece will just like the T pose in the wall and his, he'll call you for romance calls and his dialogue doesn't come out. Like you just see him talking, but there's no audio. And, you know, they fixed a lot of bugs in the, in the time since, since Cyberpunk came out, but they obviously don't give too many shits about River and even Carrie. So that's, it sucks. And like, you know, I don't know. I, that, that, that makes my, my choice so much harder for, for when I play as Feminine V. But I did like, I did want to know more about Carrie, I guess. So maybe I'll, I'll lean toward Carrie. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to like, feel it out and i uh just briefly about i have an apprehension about judy because and don't tell toasty this because he might <laughs> pound my door down uh, but i have an apprehension about judy because it's like one part of me really empathizes with her and talk about a hard fucking life right but the way that she communicates that like another part of me is like oh, grow the fuck up you mm-hmm. know and maybe that's the jaded part of me i'm not sure but the whole woe is me, I need a savior thing. Like, I just, like, that goes back to what we were just talking about. Like, I was attracted to Pan Am because she does not need a savior. So I guess the inverse of me is, is true as well, you know. And I know that's going to ruffle a lot of feathers uh, for cyberpunk players because the people who love Judy really love Judy. So Probably because of that, like, they feel like they're protecting her because she needs it. So... They have that extra attachment to her. And she attaches that way, too. Like, she's very codependent in all of her relationships, which is something we talked about in her episode. And also her naivete really sticks out (laughs) compared Mm -hmm. to literally everyone else in Night City. So it's not um, a benefit in Night City, but it is refreshing, I guess. Totally. And I mean, if that's not your type of person, like, I completely agree that I would like my lover, my relationships to be strong, independent people on their own. I think the trope that I absolutely hate more than anything is that you complete me. I can't stand that. I'm sorry. I'm my own person on my own, fully formed. My husband is his own person on his own, fully formed. Now, when we're together, yes, we make each other better. But standing alone, we are our own separate people. I don't need him to complete me. I am myself. And so I feel like Judy is that you complete me trope. Right. And that reminds me of a quote, I'm probably going to butcher it, uh, that I once heard is, you know, um, we should love people for who they are, 
because otherwise we're just loving the reflections of ourselves we see in them. And I've thought about that quote a lot, you know, ever since I heard it because, and I've, I am pretty neurotic, I think in my own life, I'm constantly self-analyzing. And I remember thinking a lot growing up, do I really love this person or do I just love the reflection of myself that I see in them? And if, if so, if that's the latter, then is continuing this even fair to anyone involved? And yeah, and, and speaking of my neuroticism, I wanted to talk about the haboob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about the scene with the haboob, that is such a, like the tension was already building up. And then the, the haboob, the tension comes to a climax, pun intended. I love the whole romance, especially the buildup of the tension. I love that you mentioned the scene because it felt so cinematic, just like that ending. But it wasn't a cinematic. Not really. I mean, you're like sitting there on the couch, but it's not really a cinematic. It's a dialogue thing, but it's in-game. It's in-engine. And I don't think that I've ever played a game where... It felt so much like I was actively watching a movie that I controlled, but that I was also in that movie, if that makes sense. So it, it felt like a cinematic without being a cinematic. Um, it felt almost like like the story was, no matter which way I took the story, it was naturally progressing. It did not feel like we have come to point A, press B or A to progress, you know, it did not feel like that at all. And that did a lot of, a lot for emergence sake. Like I mentioned earlier, I was so afraid to fuck things up. I was so afraid, like starting at the bar scene where they sit next to each other at the bar and they're having a beer. And then at the haboob scene, I was like constantly in my head, like, Oh my God, I'm going to fuck this up. Don't say something stupid. You idiot. Which, you know, if I'm being honest, that is so me in romantic relationships anyway. I'm a, I'm a journalist in my day job, and yet ironically, I feel like I don't always communicate my thoughts and feelings the most accurately. I'll say the wrong thing. Someone will be put off. And I'm like, wait, no, God damn it, That's not what I meant. <laughs> and that is not what I wanted to happen with Pan Am. I think it's great that she is like that, because... Too often, from my experience in video game romances, like you were saying, it's just like a checkbox, like, give them their favorite flower, talk to them every day, do their loyalty quest, and then you will love them. But Pan Am, you really feel like you have to earn it, which makes it feel real, which is all we want as gamers. When I was a little girl, I remembered, like, I wish games looked like real life. And we're so close to that. And now I want them to feel like real life. And we're also very close to that. And Pan Am is a great example of that. Yeah, she it's not checkboxes. Um, no. No. And I found myself, you know, getting neurotic within the game, you know, hesitating to choose the wrong thing because I didn't want to hurt Pan Am or miscommunicate at all. And like I mentioned, my V was like a corpo who my headcanon for my V and also validated by the game was that my V hated the fucking corpo life, like detested it. And uh, probably a part of him hated himself for it. Uh, he hated the superficiality of it, but he, at the end of the day, was a corpo nevertheless. So, yeah, it made sense for Pan Am to be, like, very arm's length. And then for her to shut him down at the bar scene the way that she does. So that, that all, like, for my headcanon made total sense. I wouldn't change, like, a part of that at all. But one thing I would change is the texting back and forth. I wanted them to flesh that out a lot more. Uh, 
have you been able to install the new patch and update? Uh, I did, but I haven't played since then. Oh, okay, because I heard that that's where a lot of Pan Am's romance gets uh, added to, is that you get to text and talk with her a lot more. Um, there's like one additional scene. You can sleep with her in a bed and wake up next to her every morning. And then there's apparently she sends you tit pics. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I wish listeners could have seen your face. I gotta go. <laughs> I you won't should go. I should go. <laughs> um, no, I uh, I didn't know about that. And and I was actually like planning to complain anyway about um, the post-romance conversations with Pan Am. It's very static. It's like, eh, until you get to the end of the game. It's just like, yeah, you ready to hit the corpos? Okay, cool, great. And then like these, also these response options during the game. Of course, it's going to be limited because it has to be limited, but... Like, I guess I just, I cared too much because I kept shaking my head like, no, dude, come on. Because I felt like I could have chosen better words to say. You romantic. I do you. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like the text feature, though. Like, that's something I haven't really seen in another game. And it definitely added something to feel like you even get choices to choose and they text you back. That's really fun. But I do wish there was more. I haven't played... That's why I started a new playthrough, actually, because I haven't played through with the new romance additives that they've done. But I, I'm going to romance Judy again because I can't bring myself to Romance River. <laughs> uh, it's just the eye freaks yeah. me out. You know, I think I'd, uh, I was just talking about things that I'd, I'd change. And I wouldn't change a whole lot about Pan Am's romance. But honestly, the, big, the biggest thing that I would change, I didn't like the sex scene. It felt like like this whole relationship was us building up an emotional rapport with each other and someone that I could confide within. And then, you know, culminated at the very end, in the very ending of the game, with my fucking Battlefield Angel, right? So it felt cheapened by the sex scene. It felt like, <laughs> isn't this awesome porno? <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't like that. And it felt like the entire thing was the 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 telling pan am that 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 you know it's okay take your time think this through the whole i don't want to be impulsive for once because i want this to work from her was very romantic and i appreciated that and it was contrary it was so juxtaposed in cyberpunk where sex sells and it's everywhere and everyone is very quick to get into the physical it seems and uh, people wear their sexuality on their sleeves. So so that was very juxtaposed and it was different. And then the sex scene comes about and you're like, you're just planning to take the tank out for like a test spin. And then she's like, you want a bone? <laughs> and while I, while I can see that it's awesome that you like can integrate technology in the way that they do. <laughs> I wanted I wanted something a little bit emotionally more fulfilling, more romantic, you know stereotypical uh romance but then again <laughs> i must be fucked up for correlating love and sex um no not in my but, book <laughs> do you think if there had been a secondary romance scene where it was that you know actual love making scene that yes. it would have it would have been better 
because I think her impulsiveness, the thing that she's like, I've been trying to not be impulsive, I've been trying to make this work with you, but now I have you in this opportunity. And sometimes the impulse monster fucking takes over and you have to follow through with your chaos or else you will internally combust. So from that standpoint, I totally understood Pan Am in that situation. And so it was, a, I'm going to give in to this impulse now. But then I think a secondary scene where it was the passionate lovemaking would have been better. Right. And no, I agree with that completely. Like Jack in Mass Effect, where there's the renegade option where you can have the one night stand if you want. Uh, but the number maybe precludes further emotional development uh, with Jack. Uh, or you can flesh out the romance and you have a very emotionally rewarding and fulfilling story arc uh, that way. I... Yeah, that would have that would have made it a whole hell of a lot. But that would have brought it up for me uh, from a rating point of view. Uh, that would have brought it up from from a nine point five to a ten mm-hmm. for me. Well, that was kind of our next question. Uh, do you feel we did this romance justice? And do you agree with our ratings for the night? Yes, I I do feel like you did the romance justice. Um, then again, if anyone's listening to this and they like cyberpunk or want to play cyberpunk and you haven't romanced pan am i highly encourage you to do so i'm not going to force you into like you know telling you which ending to choose but (laughs) you know uh, the star is where you want to go it's if you want like the happy ending if you want the good um or as good as good can get in night city um if you want that one then go for go for Pan Am and then choose the star ending. Now I kind of want to play as a male V to romance Pan Am. And I never play as a boy. <laughs> so that's saying something. So like my V is male. Uh, but now I'm really kind of torn because I fell in love with Carrie. But that might just be the eyes and the pure lust of it. Now looking more into Pan Am, I might actually fall in love. I just wish I could do both. Like why, that why, was, why? sorry, like the distinction that you just made there about the difference between the, the falling in love versus lust. Mm-hmm. That was the key difference. If we were going to like say that there was anything unique or different about Pan Am, that was the key difference that I felt like with romancing Pan Am. When I was romancing Pan Am in the game, it felt like, holy shit, like I'm actually developing feelings for like a fucking pixel character (laughs) (laughs) what is going on i remember the 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 sex scene when it came on i remember like looking over my shoulder like huh like no i'm totally not watching porn this (laughs) this is a video game i swear no i mean really that is that is kind of the thing that that in my opinion makes pan am unique the very very uh lusty sex scene aside is that for me as a player it felt like holy shit i'm actually falling for a character whereas in every other video game i've played and romance someone i knew i was playing a video game eventually one day we'll get you to romance garris and you'll start to feel the same way honestly when you were talking about looking over your shoulder i was like i had a surgery and was playing the legendary edition when it came out and when i got to the tango scene for the citadel dlc i was like okay everyone needs to leave the room i need to watch this by myself like i cannot it's it's so sexual, even though there's not a sex scene. So I was like, no one needs to watch me watch this. Okay, I need to be alone for this. <laughs> I swear it's not porn. <sighs> yeah, and that's why I learned to not watch any more uh, romance vids while in voice chat. 
I watched the Carrie scene and freaked the fuck out. Yeah, I I haven't I haven't seen that one, but if it's anything like the the sex scene with you know male V and Pan Am, I honestly don't know how my brain is going to handle a POV sex scene from a female's point of view. Carrie's a gay <laughs> option only. Oh, he's a gay option only. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, no bi romances in cyberpunk, which is kind of annoying. Wow, that is shocking. Yeah. I mean, it's the same for Judy, though. Like, for the sex scene, like, just it being first person. Like, for Judy, Jen made a comment <laughs> that it's almost voyeurism, and mm-hmm. it really is. Like, you kind of... If it wasn't first person, you weren't really RPGing it and being like, I am V right now. You really feel like you're intruding on something, like, very personal <laughs> that you should not be watching. And then Carrie is also pretty porny in a way. Carrie is but porny. not as much as Pan Am. Yeah. No. I think Pan Am's is more, but I don't know. Maybe it's the same. Maybe they're equal. But Carrie's, at least at that point in their romance, it feels, I guess, appropriate because that's what he's used to doing is hooking up. Whereas Pan Am... You know, she was really getting close to you and caring for you. So it kind of felt really jarring to all of a sudden have that, like, not very emotional sex scene. You know, I think, like what Jen said, if there had been another sex scene, I think that would have been fine. Because it's cool to have, like, spontaneous tank sex. That's, like, the only sex you have in the game. So it feels weird. Right. But it was, like, the emotional development with Pan Am the whole time was what i liked but then they intruded with their perception of what the male fantasy would be yeah. and first of all i i, I kind of want to get on the soapbox for a little bit first of all that's insulting to a lot of guys it's insulting it perpetuates the stereotype that men don't enjoy emotional development and that they just like me want to put penis in vagina like jesus christ we're human beings and we have a complete array and spectrum of emotions and desires that exist completely within and without sex. And I'm sick of being, you know, a- as a guy, like I- I'm kind of sick of being um, pigeonholed into the same kind of, you know, like <laughs> like all- over and over again. And maybe that's just because I'm not, you know, a horny teenager anymore, but I'm just... Uh, I'm sick of it. And so I think that's the that's at the heart of why I didn't like that sex scene. It it was like very clearly the publisher or the writers being like, this is the male fantasy. And it's also one of the reasons why, like, I have a hard time watching anime that I once loved because I rewatch it now. And I'm like, man, this is so catered to the male fantasy. Like, yeah, I'm obviously still a male, but I grew up. And I, you know, like, I, yeah, of course, I might still have fantasies, but they're different. And I don't just see people as pit stops on the way to desire. I love that. People are not pit stops on the way to desire. And also stereotypes hurt everyone. We need to stop with the idea, like you said, of all men want it this way. And that's what cyberpunk's romances ultimately kind of come across as the male-oriented romances are very sexual in nature and the female-oriented relationships are very emotional in nature. And that just isn't how the cookies always crumble, okay? We just need to step away from those stereotypes and just accept that everyone likes everything. Yeah. 
Well, okay, so Pan Am kind of changed it on the romance aspect for me because Carrie is very, very hypersexualized, and it's that's the way that it's geared towards the whole way. But then that's also another big gay stereotype is that all gay men care about doing is fucking other gay men. And it's like, no, that's not what it's all about. That is a soapbox I can get on, but uh, Mm -hmm. probably not tonight because it's already getting late. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, when you were talking about how you felt like Pan Am was like this, your Valkyrie, somebody that would stand Mm -hmm. next to you, uh, it reminded me of something that I posted on my Facebook for fucking ever ago. Um, And I kind of wanted to read it out because I was like, I get it. So this was a letter that I wrote to my husband and it was, you are my stand guy. Sounds odd but hear me out. You stand behind me when I need support, when you know I can overcome the challenges ahead of me, so you let me know that you are here for me when I decide I need the help. You stand next to me when we need to face a challenge together. You have always been willing to help me when I do have those moments where I know I can't do it alone. You stand facing me for the moments that are ours alone, those quiet times when I'm in your arms and sometimes exactly what I need. And you stand in front of me when I need a shield from the storm. When you can tell that I've just done too much in the day or the stress of life has overwhelmed me. There you are, taking things off my plate and making my life easier. I couldn't have asked for a better partner in life. I know the phrase is you complete me, but husband, you make me more. We are two separate people capable of surviving on our own, but together we thrive. I was just a girl playing Yu-Gi-Oh, and now I'm a wife, mother, homeowner, career-driven woman who couldn't have asked for a better person to share it all with. That was so good. Yeah. That's beautiful. I hope everybody finds that person for them. Or people. Or people. Yeah. Yeah. He's my guy. That's a trope, actually, because I always look at the tropes for every character. The battle couple. That's what Pan Am and V are. <laughs> Such a good one. I'm into the battle couple trope, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I want yeah. the battle couple. I don't think it's fair when one person shoulders more. Like, I like sharing the burden. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up, my mom, when I was six years old, reading me Lord of the Rings. And I always loved Eowyn so much. And I wanted to be like her, you know. She was the shield maiden. I'm like, I can do it too. And then I played Mass Effect and then I was like I want to be like Commander Shepard and I joined the Navy and the rest is history (laughs) yeah but that's I feel like that with my husband too like we are a battle couple we just don't fight like I'm not a fighter so I hope I never actually actually have to fight anybody (laughs) that would be terrible physical alterations I'll leave to him he can take care of it that's fine I just fight for him. Uh, there was a line in a song by Miracle Sound. It was about um, Skyrim, talking about the thooms and how the, the voice is, is mm. the weapon. And it was a, a phrase that he used that was, my voice is my violence. And I'm like, I identify with that so much because oh, I'm no. not going to physically fucking fight you over anything. I might shoot you with a bow and arrow, but that's long distance. Like, <laughs> that's... But my voice is my violence, and I can cut you with a thousand words. Mm-hmm. Or give you a good tongue lashing. One of the two. 
<laughs> and on that note, <laughs> but Sam, I guess the last thing, do you want to shout out or plug something? Yeah, I guess I should. <laughs> so, hi, my name's Sam, uh, aka In Seven the Legend. Should have should have led with that. We did your introduction I, for you. It's all good. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I am celebrating my Twitch anniversary, uh, my first Twitch anniversary, and that's going to be tomorrow. We're we're recording this on June 10th. Uh, that's going to be tomorrow. Um, I'm having a special stream for it. I'm streaming Mass Effect, of course, uh, but I'm also hosting a giveaway where I'm not going to bore people with the rules, uh, but the you know prize that's up for grabs is either the N7 helmet or any of the Mass Effect statues. So if you're interested about that, Go ahead and go follow me on Twitch at N7 The Legend, and then uh, my rules are posted in the Discord. Uh, so, and of course, I've got the Mass Effect Lorecast going on, which is live on Twitch. Uh, you can find us at Robots Radio every Monday night, and that's from 10:30 p.m. onward. We have a varying uh, length of uh, of shows, but that's Eastern time. And uh, otherwise, you can just catch the Mass Effect Lorecast anywhere you get podcasts. So, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And you're also in our Two Girls, One Ship Discord that we have. And so feel free to share like the links to your Twitter and then um, the, the contest rules and everything like that. So that way people can get in on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll put it in the description, too. And you're always welcome anytime, Sam. You're the best guest. <laughs> I tell that to every Aww. guest, but you know. Well, you didn't need to <laughs> tell kidding. me that part. If you didn't tell me that part, I may, I may not have known. Aw. No, we love you. <laughs> You're the first person we've ever invited back on the show. So, that's Well, awesome. I'm flattered. <laughs> Those listening can't see it, but I'm blushing heavily. <laughs> oh. Um, but if you like what you're hearing, please be sure to also review on iTunes or give us a rating on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me in our Two Girls One Ship chat on the Robots Radio Discord channel and come give us a follow on all the social medias and on Patreon at Two Girls One Ship. Links are in the description. I'm on Robots Radio Discord as well, and our own Two Girls One Ship Discord server now, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live stream on Twitch and YouTube Fridays at 10:30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7:30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening, and remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the Mothman! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next. War never changes, does it, Bonnie?
No, it certainly does not. True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama. Available anywhere you get podcasts. Thank <laughs> you.